Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's a Monday afternoon and we got something really cool going on. We got a really cool guest sitting on the other side of our Zoom. A man is on the couch smelling like the weekend, apparently. <laughs> that sounds much worse than it is. Hey, everyone, it's Amanda and I did smelling just roll like in. No, 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 no. I did just Why roll in worse? from being up north. Which is the weekend. Yes, but I showered while I was there. But you, you Still smell like you the cannot get that campfire smell off of you with one shower. Like that's a you got to so come why, back to the city and why are you making it sound like <laughs> I said something other than the truth? When you, you say, smell like when the you weekend. say you smell like the weekend, I can imagine people's imaginations going like, "Oh, gross! She hasn't showered all weekend." No, that is not <laughs> true. Where, that's I where, took showers. <laughs> that's where your imagination took you. Yeah, you're right. Maybe <laughs> you have some work to do. On yourself. Oh, yeah. If that's where it took you. All right. Well, I would think I would much rather take advice from our guest today because me too. Mark's Mark's in a mood, eh? He's just going to attack me all day. Let's see what happens. (laughs) I was so nice and brought him iced tea and. Anyway, so we've got Joanna on Zoom, and this is probably the third time we've tried to connect. Uh, first, we had a, a weather situation, then we had an internet situation, and although I ran in here smelling like a campfire, I made it on a Monday afternoon to speak to her. Um, you may have heard her on some other massage therapy podcasts. She is a business strategist for wellness professionals, so working with body workers, massage therapists, and I just found out that she owned a strength and conditioning uh, gym. So, I mean, she's been in the wellness industry herself, and we're going to learn some stuff from her today. Why? I'm going to start this off here. Why strategist versus coach? Just out of curiosity. Because everyone goes with the title coach, 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 coach. And you're like, screw that, man. I'm a fucking strategist. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great question. It's funny because I come out of athletics. I've been an Olympic style weightlifter for 15 years competitively, and I have a weightlifting coach. And for me, my weightlifting coach writes my program, Ah. tells me what to do, corrects that, everything. So to me, that's what a coach is. Thank you. When I entered this work, it turns out that there's this whole world of, it's only the certified coaches, but there's all kinds of coaching certifications where the whole idea of coaching is that your client, you know, if it's a client and coach, the client has the answers within themselves. Right. And it is the coach's job to ask the right questions and and pull those answers out. Well, that's not really what I do. Thank you for saying this. Yeah, I have a body of knowledge and experience. And I te- I really am a teacher, most of all. And I teach business strategy. I'll tell you why I'm like, thank you for saying this. We talked about this with someone who said they were a business coach. And I brought up the idea of athletics. I'm like, what you do is not actually coaching. Like, because I come from the idea of athletics as well. And, you know, the coach is right there with you, taking part in it and imparting wisdom and everything else. And basically is is part of what's happening, right? Like if I'm a hockey coach and we win, guess what? I walk away with a ring. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm part of what's going on here. And as a matter of fact, I'm 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 probably the, like one of the more important pieces of what's going on here. If this is what you need to do and this is the play you're gonna run and blah, 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 blah. I actually lay out for them. Here's the stru- here's the structure. And that's why I technically am not a business coach, apparently. And, and I like the term strategist and I like the term teacher is what I use because I actually am teaching specific frameworks and specific structures because they're tried and proven and I know they work. So yes, there is coaching that I do, but I, I think when I do do what people think of as coaching, 
uh, that's part of the process, but it is not the main part of the process. You know, I might ask uh, definitely when I work with clients, a lot of it is customized and personalized, but it is still grounded in frameworks that I have that are mine that are like, this is how we do this. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. I like, I like, I like your definition of coaching. I like, I, I like how you're using strategist. I dig it. So let's start from the beginning then. For anyone listening who hasn't heard you on um, other broadcasts, can uh, you give us some a backstory, an introduction of how you got to be where you are right now? Yeah, it's a it's a bit long, but I'll try and keep it nice and short. Doesn't have to be um, short. We got nothing short. but time. <laughs> <laughs> Could be long. This is actually kind of the third phase, I'd say, of my career and my adult life, anyway. And um, this one is really the culmination of everything before it. So my calling coming out of college was to be a teacher. I was a high school history teacher for a decade and um, specialized in curriculum design. And so that that plays out now, that kind of structure and processes is pretty uh, important to what I do. And I ended up having this big life change. Um, I sort of, I like uh, had a divorce and was single mom of two little kids and and I was teaching full-time at the time and realized that I needed a big shift in my life and decided to leave the classroom. I actually sold my house, left my career, moved to a new county where I knew no one to start a brand new life. And my intention was to stay in education in a different capacity. But what happened was I moved to this county where I live now in uh, Northern California, and I couldn't find any place to do the kind of fitness and athletic training I had been doing where I lived before. And I looked and looked. And so I started doing it by myself, like on this land I lived on. And then people started joining me. Wait, 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 wait. Like literally just like walking off the street, like what are you doing? I want to join too. <laughs> like, wh- how are these people finding it's funny, you? <laughs> I lived in the country. It was like out on acreage. No, I had met various people in different things I was doing, including my search for my search to find the kind of fitness training that I was used to, you know, so I had met various people elsewhere and they were like, can we come join you? And um, yeah, so people started showing up um, at my house on the land where I lived and doing this. And I, you know, at some point I was like, okay, the winter's going to come and it's going to start raining and we need to get indoors somehow. This was all outside. So I, that was how I started my first business. And it was, I mean, really super organic and almost by accident. I didn't ever like have some dream of owning a business or being an entrepreneur or anything like that. And I found this place to rent and I just jumped in and it actually took off. It really took off. And it was just me. And, um, and so I ended up just a few, like, I don't know, it was in the first year, I want to say it was probably fourth, fifth month of business, just slammed. I was like, again, single mom of two young kids doing everything. I had a lot of clients. I was running the whole show. What made it take off? Um, that's a good question. It's so long ago. <laughs> I was not, I'll say this, I wasn't doing anything for like marketing. I mean, I guess I knew people. It's not, I I can't say, I can't say that it was like super, it was not profitable and sustainable necessarily. What I, I guess what I mean is I had a bunch of clients and I was very busy and Mm -hmm. that's actually very relevant to the story is that I didn't know how to run a business and it was my wake up call. I mean, I was completely burning out and it was early. Right. And it was my wake up call that I needed to learn how to run a business. 
um, because I didn't know. I was just completely winging it in every way. So you just really had a good a good product or a good service, and you lucked out, kind of thing, right? Is that kind of? What I don't. I, I don't know if I had lucked out. Um, I mean, there was a need for it. I knew people. People were showing up. Um, I don't. I don't. Like I said, it, it, looking back, if I actually look at the numbers, I don't think that it was. This is this is a really good thing that you're pushing into this because many, many people that end up coming to me for help on the outside, their businesses look successful like that. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're just busy. Right. And yet they have no time for self-care. Their families are suffering because they don't see them. If they get sick or a kid gets sick, like their business falls apart, you know, they can't take a vacation when they want to. That's the situation I was in. So it like looks good on the outside. But it's really not a not a sustainable business on the inside. Does that make mm. sense? I mean, that's what I had. Yep. Um, so I so I wouldn't say luck. <laughs> well, by luck, by luck, all all I meant was like you, you end up serving the marketplace in a way that was needed. By that, you didn't have to do as you were saying. You didn't have to do the marketing or anything else. That it just kind of organically developed into what it was because you were filling a hole, which was really good. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, I, I basically knew that I wouldn't survive. I I mean, as a human, honestly, like my health wouldn't survive if I didn't figure out how to, how to do this. So that was, I mean, this must've been about 2009, 2009, 2010 or something. And, um, and so that's when I just went about like, okay, let me find some help here. And I sought out my own, you know, business coaches, teachers, books, uh, everything. I I, could, I don't even think podcasts exist yet, existed yet. Maybe they did, but not like now. Um, and so really went seeking the help. And, um, and pretty early on at that point, I knew that because this business, I started it almost by accident, as I explained. It wasn't like I felt like this is my life's work. You know, I, I never felt like that, but I definitely felt like, I wanted this to exist in my community because it didn't exist. And I knew that it was a fantastic service that could change people's lives because it had changed mine. So I wanted it to exist, but I felt I was clear with myself really early on, like, I want this exist to exist, but it doesn't need to exist with me. I don't need to be the face of it. I don't need to be the one running it. I want it to exist. And so at that point, I created this goal of, cool, I want this business to exist forever, <laughs> But I want to pass it off. I want to pass it off. I want to sell it, essentially. So let me build it to be a sellable business. And that was a long-range plan. That wasn't a short-range plan. And so that was my long-range plan. And and what I did was I built that business to be a business that could run without me and therefore had value uh, other than just you know a client list and equipment. Um, it was a business that could run by itself, essentially, with, with you know leadership, but not without not with somebody doing everything. Um, and so that's what I did. And I knew that when I, by the time I was ready to sell it, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, which was what I do now, which is help wellness practitioners. And, and I didn't particularly want to work with gym owners though. Occasionally I do. It's really that I was the client of so many, particularly body workers. I, as a, as a weightlifter, as a competitive weightlifter, I was the client of so many different practitioners who were providing me amazing services. They were so good at what they did. And yet, one, they were struggling financially. We could, I could see that, right? And two, um, I actually felt that they weren't serving me 
as powerfully as I wanted and as I knew they could because of the way their businesses were structured, particularly in the way they packaged their services and offered their services. Um, so we can talk more about that, but it was very, very clear to me, like, these are the folks I want to help. And, and that's what I get to do now, which is awesome. How long ago was that, that you decided this is going to be my life's, my life's work now. I'm going to help wellness practitioners run a business that's profitable. So they're not just busy because it's, I know so many people that are exactly as you said, who either are personal trainers or massage therapists or, you know, some kind of wellness practitioner, and they look busy, like their schedule's busy, busy, well, busy, busy. busy. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're busy. But it's exactly as you said, and I don't, you know, there's a whole bunch of them that still feel like I don't make a decent living doing this. And, you know, Mark and I have had these conversations on this podcast many times. We've had different coaches on, we've had different practitioners on, and us ourselves, we teach business and we're like, but you can be, and it does involve strategy. So how long ago was that you had this realization and how long have you been doing this for practitioners now? Yeah, I started this business formally like um, the month after I sold my previous one and that was twenty in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been doing it very much sort of um, informally with people I knew when I still had, I still own the gym and kind of started to do it just to get my feet wet and just like, see, like, is this really, you know, am I really enjoying this? Is this what I like? So I had started it informally before I formally started this business. So since 2017, which I think is five years, I think it's been five years that I've mm-hmm. had this business. And in that time, how have you been getting your clients? How are people finding you? Yeah. My primary, um, my primary lead generation method is Ta-da, podcast guesting. <laughs> um, podcast guesting and partnerships. So I have partnerships with, um, for example, like educational and certifying bodies. Like there's a, you know, there's a college of nutrition, for example, that I work with where I am their like staff business strategist and I provide free workshops and then that's a lead generation um, method for me and other organizations like that as well. Like I said, certifying bodies where some of them are, you know, licensed where it's, you know, what do you call it? Like accredited, um, professional development kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and then just stuff like this. And then of course, within, once somebody is in my own world, uh, like opts in for something that I offer, then we have all kinds of nurturing, um, uh, workshops, both automated and live, things we invite them to, etc. The reason I asked that is, as I said, Mark and I have had many uh, types of coaches on here. There was actually a period of time that we were getting so many emails from people who do coaching, like well, in in the wellness industry, that we said, you know what, we're a little saturated with this topic right now, and we don't want, like, we don't feel it'll be beneficial for you to come on right now because there's so many people. So we kind of paused it for a little bit, but. Every time we have somebody on, like Mark said, I like the your definition of strategist versus coach or whatever. I always have to find out if somebody were listening to this and they're looking for a coach, what, I guess, what does your client look like? What does your ideal client look like? Or how do you determine if somebody is a good fit for you? Yeah, that's a, it's a big piece of what I tell, what I teach my clients, but let me just back up first. And I have a question for you. Can I ask that just to clarify? Sure I'm curious how many of the people that hit you up or come on your show that call themselves business coaches, how many of them are actually marketers? Because I'm not a marketer. That's what I want to say. I do know marketing pretty well and I teach marketing, but that's not the 
foundations of the business strategy I teach. And what I find, and it's a total pet peeve of mine, is that in the world of business, so many people think it's just marketing. Oh, you just need to learn how to market. And there's so much more. So I'm curious, I'm curious whether whether people are coming to you and calling themselves business coaches or whether they're actually marketers. I think we get a mix of both. I think there are quite a few that definitely put a lot of weight into marketing. What do you think? I I was going to say, I think the majority of people that have been on our podcast are not all about marketing. The majority. The majority that we have had on, but I'm talking about like the people that we don't bring on to. (laughs) Specifically for for our podcast, the majority of, of coaches have not been anyone that is is big on pushing marketing it all starts with mostly self-awareness and mindset it's a lot of mindset coaching with the people that we have talked to yeah i don't i don't feel a lot have been marked but i agree with you that there's a lot of people like because if we if you play it back like rebecca is like that richard platt was like that mark betts like the majority of the people that we've we've surrounded ourselves with and have been on our podcast. They're the, they're the mind piece people. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay. Well, that's not my focus. So cool. I'll be new territory. <laughs> You'll be, yeah. yeah. You, are, <laughs> you know what I did think was really, it was really cool what you were saying before. And I think it's, I think it's difficult for a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs. I don't want to call them entrepreneurs. Really, they create their own job. You know that doesn't oh, necessarily yeah. make you an entrepreneur. People. The self-employed yeah. person. I think it's really interesting how you had an exit strategy of you've wanted to fill this hole and you filled it, and you're like, okay, well, my job here is done now. Let me just make sure this thing lives on and continues to to serve the community. And you didn't necessarily have this like this is my baby attachment to it. I have to see it through the the whole thing and i feel like a lot of health healthcare practitioners have a lot of problem with building up what they need to build up and maybe not recognizing when it's time to move on to something else or finding someone finding a way to expand it by bringing on different people into the mix in other words it, it, you don't have to watch your baby grow from from birth <laughs> to death. Do you know what I mean? I, I Unless thought it's really your cool. human baby, because because it, because it brings yeah because it brings up a whole lot of stuff. Like like to me, that's a true entrepreneur mindset where you love the idea of business, and therefore it's a challenge for you to go from one thing and plant the seed and make it grow, and then kind of move on to the next thing. Like we're friendly with a, with a gentleman who runs a a a, a company that that manufactures a rehabilitation products and tables and things like that. And before he got into this stuff, he was manufacturing auto parts. And Amanda and I look at each other like, this motherfucker doesn't love tables. He loves manufacturing and he loves business. And, you know, when he's done with this, he'll sell this motherfucker off and he'll move on to the next thing, which will be involved in manufacturing because that's what he loves. And I love it that it's like you're in love with the idea of business. And that's that's really cool. I do. It is business. And there's a um, convergence in that. um, Like I said, my real impetus for this work I do now was my experience over and over and over as a client of practitioners. And I truly think that like my, my, the, the purpose of my company, and this is one of those essentials of business that your business should have a purpose, which is to me is different than a mission statement. It's not what you do. It's why you do it and should have core values to it. And my business purpose, um, which is not even published publicly, this might be the first time I'm announcing it publicly, like has nothing to do with the, what my business purpose is 
to build a more, to help contribute to building a more just and sustainable world. And so for me, the work that I do with wellness practitioners is very individual. I'm, I'm working with them. They are having, because of the work we do, do together, a greater impact on each of their clients. And I believe that that's kind of this ripple effect of going, you know, the more people are working on themselves personally, um, the more they're able to be agents of change in the world towards the world they want to see rather than disempowered, hurt, and broken, you know? So what did you see as a client that makes you that makes you think all of these things? Because you said it's coming from you being a client. Yeah, you said they, what does that, that you, look like? you felt that... they weren't serving you to the best of their ability because of their business model. I, I wanted yeah. to go back to that as well and know what that meant. So like being a client, what makes you, and then how do you probe on that being a client? Because, you know, for you to come up with, you know, what's going on behind the scenes, you got to probe on that. And how does the whole thing play out? I'm curious. Yeah, so I w- I'll just make it really concrete and say, I have a real issue with selling um, session by session. Session, which is like the standard in body work, in therapies of all sorts. Um, you know, I work with acupuncturists, um, body workers, uh, trauma therapists, psychotherapists, like all, all different kinds of things. So mental, physical health and uh, selling sessions or even packs of sessions is the standard, as you know, in, in these industries. And as a client, let's just use a, a body worker as an example, since I've always seen body workers, you know, competitive weightlifter, aging, aging, competitive weightlifter. I am absolutely needing like really top-notch, consistent care for my body, for my recovery and for preparing me, right? For the, for competition, for training, for recovering from training and preparing me for competition. So, you know, I'm fortunate to really meet some incredible body workers who, you know, just, uh, you know, use these really complex modalities that are amazing, but I'd show up and it's like, what's going on today? So how's your body today? And, I'd be like, okay, well, this, this, this is going on. And they might say like, or I might say, when's your next, I might say my next competition is in, you know, three months. I might give like, here's my goals. Here's what I want to be doing. Here's how I'm feeling right now. And it would still be like that focus. Their focus would be on what's going on. How are you feeling today? Okay. Let's address that thing. And what I'm looking for is somebody who is actually asking me about short-term and long-term goals and is like on my team, like here I am, this person with particular goals, be on my team and lay out what my long-term plan is that you're going to contribute to. And I want that. I want that person to say, okay, you need to come in X number of times per month, you know, once a week, let's just say it's like that once a week for the next 12 weeks. And then let's go to, I don't know, you know, two times a month, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And we're going to work on this and work on this and work on this. Like, let's get to the root cause of what's been causing that and then address this, right? Like a whole plan mm-hmm. that I can invest in and go, boom, I got this part taken care of. Like I got this support system now in place to help me meet my goals. I like this because I think two things when I hear this, because we speak about this a little bit and I speak about this in some of my classes, especially my exercise classes when I'm talking about therapeutic exercise. And I always bring up the idea of how athletic conditioning has it correct. Like they got it right. When you look at athletic conditioning, things are broken down into microcycles, into macrocycles, and it's a whole plan laid out that has you in peak 
physical performance for competition. That is the whole purpose of doing, you know, periodization of training. And I'm like, why can we not, as manual therapists, treat our clients and their injuries and make it rehabilitative in a plan very similar to something that they do in athletic conditioning. And I mean, essentially, that's what we are supposed to be doing. I mean, we're but, we're in a regulated right. province. So then so. the other part of what I was going to say, which matches onto what you're saying, is I think there's, and we talked about this briefly the other day too, I think that there's, uh, the, there's, there's this, there's this, sh- it's not a shift, but there, it's massive now, the term client-centered care, client-centered care, client-centered care. And I think a lot of therapists misinterpret client-centered care to be exactly what you described. So how are you today? So what do you need today versus the client-centered care that, as Amanda said on the last podcast, comes from creating that plan. And that is how we're showing that care, asserting yourself as the as the expert and saying, yeah. this is what you need to get to where you want to go versus this there, misinterpretation there, is what I think. It's Yes, there's always people who take things like to extremes and so client-centered care, 100% I agree with. And it goes even with an athlete. There's going to be days where an athlete's um, psychological state or, you know, whatever, they everybody has a bad day. So you might have to readjust your plan that day based on somebody's psychological state or, you know, just right. whatever. But ideally, what, I mean, us in a regular province, I don't know what um, it's like in California, but here in Ontario, like we are considered healthcare professionals. So we are supposed to be doing a proper health history and intake with every single person. And we're supposed to be putting people on treatment plans. When we get assessed by our college, we get peer assessments done um, once within every five years, it's supposed supposed to be. You are specifically asked about the treatment plans. So the peer assessor wants to see that you as the professional have given a recommendation to each and every patient of how often they're supposed to come and what the short and long-term goals are. That is technically the most correct way and what's supposed to be happening. We have this weird, and Mark and I were again talking about this the other day as well, it came up in the same conversation is that massage therapy, because what massage therapy is in most of the world versus what it is in places where it's con- really considered healthcare, there's this like clash of service and healthcare. And it's like there's people who take this extreme of, well, patient-centered care means take care of the person in front of them as they are today. But like we, they're forgetting that piece of, but you are still the expert and it is supposed to be a collaboration and you are supposed to be giving a recommended treatment plan, but you work with the person. But my recommended treatment plan or my prescription is based on where you say you want to go and what you yes. say you need to do. Yeah, so exactly. exactly. It, it, you're still doing it. It is still patient-centered right? care. Exactly. exactly. That is my point. It, w- it is still considered patient-centered care. And I think there's a big misinterpretation of patient-centered care. Yeah. So what, I mean, what, Joanna, what you're saying is exactly right. And again, I don't know what it's like there in California, but if you were seeing therapists and everything was just about as you are right now, and there was no continuity, or you didn't even feel like the therapist had looked back at the treatment notes to figure out, okay, where were we last time? What were we supposed to be focusing on? Then yeah, I can see how you as the patient are like, well, fuck this. <laughs> this isn't helping me. <laughs> Let me take it even a step further, if I may. Um, but you guys nailed a couple things that I talk a lot about. One is like, it isn't about giving your client or patient what they want. It's about giving them what they need. You know, yeah. I think that that's, you just were describing that. That is a, you know, speaking of mindset, that is a mindset shift for practitioners. It's like, 
they get into business, don't know much about business, and they move into what I call a freelancer mindset of just like, oh, I just need clients and just what do they want, right? And they'll even ask somebody like the phone, you know, they'll get a phone call and say, what are you looking for? And it's like, no, it's not what are you looking for? It's what's going on with you? Well, like, why are you calling me? What's going on with your body or whatever the situation, right? And then doing an actual assessment to determine what you as the practitioner, as the expert is to you the treatment plan they need, exactly. right, to achieve their goals. Imagine you called to the mechanic and you're like, I got something going on with my car. And they say, well, what do you think is wrong with your car? <laughs> what do you think? What, what do you think we should do with your car today? What do you? Yeah. What do you need? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do with your car? I don't know. What's the cheapest option? <laughs> yes. <laughs> maybe exactly. just, maybe I just need wiper blades. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I like this analogy. So the step further is that I, I sure don't want to throw my own former, you know, practitioners under the bus, like people that worked with me and and say and imply that they weren't looking back at their notes and didn't actually really know my body. But the step further is that it's still really different energetically to be in a session by session approach where ultimately it's up to me whether I'm rebooking next week or whether I'm rebooking for two weeks from now or a month from now, right? There's still, even if there's some continuity between the sessions, it's still, I could stop anytime I want to right? That's pretty different energetically than me coming in. And I'll just say, this is the approach I teach people to take and it's, and it works really well. I come in for an actual consultation and assessment. The practitioner under, you know, talks to me about my goals, what's going on. They do an actual physical assessment or mental or whatever, whatever the type of practice it is, and then lay out a plan. And that plan, let's just say that it's, you know, I don't know. Let's just say it's four months long and I'm coming in every week. Let's just completely make it up like that. And there is a plan to it, right? First, we're doing this. We're going to address this. We're going to address this. And when I am committing to that whole container, there is a really, really difference in the uh, in the big difference in the energy between the client and the practitioner when they're both committed to that container together, then there is, it's, it's different, even if there's still a treatment plan, but I'm on a session by session approach. So that's what I encourage people to do is get like the enrollment process. And so this brings up businessy business speak kind of stuff, which is a sales process. So, you know, marketing gets all this attention, like marketing, 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 and people think marketing and sales are the same thing, but they're really not. Marketing is like how you get leads, how you get attention, how you get an audience, right? So you can get leads, but how do you turn leads into long-term clients is with a sales process. And we want a sales process that enrolls people in a container that is truly going to get them the results they're after. That's that's the kind of step further here. Yeah, I I am 100% on board with that. Like I said, Mark and I teach business as well. And something that I, um, one of my favorite parts of the course, something I put a lot of weight into is exactly what you're saying is that, you know, you're, if you, let's say that you are really great at marketing and you have 70 new patients walk through your door every month. Great, fantastic. But if you're not keeping those, you're not doing anything. That's not a successful business because Leaking then you're going to have to, yeah. yeah, then you're going to have to keep putting in more money and more energy into marketing when you could be doing exactly as you're saying and getting people 
into this sort of exactly and if because of the role we're in as body workers people tend to trust us fairly quickly and they look to us for what what do i need and if you're being transparent and you're doing the consultation and assessment as you're saying and telling them this is what's going on and this is you know where i think we need to go and obviously there's always people that right away again because there's always the extremists get up in arms like you can't tell someone they need four months worth of care you're right we don't know people's bodies are but people are people they might react differently but we start with this plan we modify as we go but if mm-hmm. we show that we're actually working on a plan then these these patients are going to continue to look to you and say what do I do now? You know, what, the first practice I was in, I remember before I could even leave the room when we were done with that particular treatment that day, it was, um, am I already in for the next one or do we need, like they were coming to me because everybody was on a very specific plan and they knew this is what I do. I come every, you know, 10 days and that's what I do. And yeah. until they're told differently, right? So yeah, 100%. It's also, it's a huge relief for the client because I mean, generally people are coming with some kind of pain or problem, right? Or goal or desire. And to know that they've invested in reaching that, that's a huge relief versus having to make a new decision every week about, about, am I still in this? Am I still in this? Like, is this working or something versus I'm in, this is the container, right? This is the plan. I'm in it for now. Again, it's a huge relief. And as one of, um, so I have a podcast too, and I interviewed a client who, a, a client of mine, who's been now doing this for a long time. And he talked about the difference in the actual session in that before he enrolled people in these, in these containers and these treatment plans, um, he felt like he always had to wow them every session. Do you know what I mean? Like he always had to like provide some like instant relief or instant, you know, um, instant win or something. Right. Whereas the long-term approach wouldn't necessarily be taking that. And his example was that sometimes he, he actually has to do something that's going to create more inflammation and that's going to be uncomfortable. But knowing when the client is enrolled in the whole process, they know that that's part of what's going to happen. So they're not judging one session. You know what I mean? They understand that this is part of the process. Um, so there's a huge relief there, both for the client and the practitioner. Like we're in this together and here's the, you know, here's the end line. And like you said, um, Amanda, you absolutely can adjust that as it goes because different people are going to respond differently. You know, yeah. you just have to be really transparent and open about that. There's certain predictability in the way people are going to respond as well. Yeah. And so, I mean, we use that as the basis, but I feel like that goes out the fucking window and I don't understand why. I don't know. Because yeah, when we're in school, we are taught that you're supposed to put everybody on a treatment plan. However, I will say that there is a little bit of a disconnect because then we go into student clinic, right? Because we have to get real life experience working on real bodies. But a lot of times what ends up happening in student clinic is it's, you know, similar people coming in because you can get a massage for 20 or 30 bucks. So you're seeing like the same person that doesn't necessarily have anything to work. You know what I mean? Like it's people who have like major issues are probably going to a registered therapist and getting on a okay. tr- you know what I mean so I feel like in student clinic we I don't know about everybody else but I always felt like everybody just 
it became second nature to tell every single patient, okay, come back next week. Like there was no like, you know what I mean? Like there was no like variation in that because you only did student clinic a couple times a week. So it was, okay, just come back next week. Okay, just come back. So we didn't really like work on how to really create a treatment that's plan. Your, that's your <laughs> clinic supervisor's fault. It really is. I mean, to... <laughs> Because that's a habit that you want to start building right from the get-go. Because yeah. the way, basically, for the most part, at least for the first beginning of your career, how you are in student clinic while someone's over your shoulder looking at you is going to be how you are as a therapist when yeah. no one's looking over your shoulder. So it's a shitty, shitty clinic supervisor that that allows that to happen, right? And so, like for example, I teach a record keeping course for for manual therapists, and a lot of the times I have the question in the class, like, "Well, what if someone comes in and like there is no treatment plan to create because they're here on a one off and they just want relaxation or whatever the case is?" And then I always go back to the mechanic thing because it's really easy to understand. And I'm like, "Well, one, you're a regulated healthcare professional, so like what the client is expressing right now doesn't negate your responsibility as a healthcare professional." When I take my car to Jiffy. Lube or Mr. Lube or one of those rapid freaking oil change places, they still do a 23-point inspection on my car. They're like, hey, you came here for an oil change and you're going to get that. But as professionals, we're going to inspect this, 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 and we'll give you the list at the end and says, these are all the things that we found. We can do something about this today or tomorrow or whatever. But nonetheless, these are the things we found. You're still going to get what you came for, your oil change, your relaxation massage. But just to let you know, I also found this, found this, found this, found this, found this, and this is the plan that I would like to put you on for these things. That's how I tackle yeah. it in, the, in that class. But what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you know something. You teach a lot of people. <laughs> no, nothing. It's today, especially. I know nothing. So, Joanna, when you have practitioners coming to you and, you know, the idea, what I'm hearing from you is that when you have practitioners coming, you start focusing on, okay, we're going to get you out of this session by session mindset. So, how does how does like a discovery call look with you or like what what do you tell people that you're you're going to be doing with them and have you ever told someone put down the coffee coffee's for closers <laughs> have, you, have you ever had to say that <laughs> no. sorry no um uh, so, I mean, at this point, my services are very streamlined into like this small group program that I run and it's called the Business Revolution Academy. So a discovery call with me is really making sure that person's a good fit. So you asked previously, and, and I can take this to what a consultation looks like for yeah. practitioners, but you asked me before, who are my ideal clients? Yeah, who are your people? I work with established practitioners. So I do not work with people who are freshly out of school or, you know, newly certified or any of that. I work with established practitioners who, um, who already have a track record and already feel totally confident in their services. They know they have a lot to offer. That's one piece as far as stage of business. But then I particularly work with practitioners who are bringing together multiple modalities. So, you know, uh, somebody, for example, who's a massage therapist who is like, I, you know, works at a spa and is just like, you know, just wants to help people relax or whatever, like would not be my person. My people are folks that um, really are are doing deep, a lot of time stuff in neuroscience, like a lot of the body workers I work with are, are doing stuff that is involving nervous system regulation, right? Like at this kind of emotional level and all these different ways. And these modalities that have all these funny acronyms, you know, um, what, what, are, what is there? Um, well, NARM is one, but body workers aren't using that, but there's all these, these acronyms that mean nothing to the lay person, you know? 
Um, so folks that are integrating multiple modalities is another piece. And then people who are really addressing trauma, even through body work is kind of a third layer, I'd say. So the, I, I, if you look at my website, it says I work with innovative practitioners and that's what I'm trying to get at there. People who are really going deeper and deeper and deeper, and then are experienced at what they do. That's kind of the, the main thing. So when they come to me for a discovery call, what I'm doing, which is exactly the process that I teach, that I teach a practitioner do, to do is determine whether this person is actually missing the pieces that my program fills, right? So my program has been designed based on my ideal clients. So I'm looking for a match there. And I have filters in place and my messaging in my marketing is pretty dialed in. So, you know, 95% of the time, that's the case that it's a match. But what I'm doing is an assessment of their actual business, just like a, a body worker would be doing uh, both an interview process as part of the assessment and perhaps a manual hands-on assessment, right? I'm doing a, an assessment of their business, what they have in place, what they don't, what's going on with them. I'm even going to... How is that for them emotionally, which I actually think is a really important part. I think physical therapists, um, you know, people who are doing uh, physical work often forget that component. It sounds obvious, but, um, you know, you'll ask somebody like, what's going on? You know, start with some broad question. What's going on with you today? Well, like my shoulder hurts. Right. But like, I, I think it's really important that the therapist actually say, well, why does that matter? Like, how's that impacting you? And actually understand what, um, what that means besides the physical pain to the person. So, you know, for somebody like me, an injury is like, disrupting my entire identity as an athlete and as a strong woman. You know what I mean? And that's actually that's actually really important stuff even if you're doing mainly physical work to understand that this goes deeper than just the physical pain. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm doing the same thing with business owners and with your business. It's like, it's the same thing. It's a big piece of your identity, right? It's not only how you make a living. So there's the very practical aspects of, are you, are you making a living? Like, how's the, you know, how's the money, but how about the level of fulfillment? And are you really like living this purpose that you started this business or you thought you started this business to do? And most people aren't. I mean, most people's businesses are just not set up properly for them to really feel fulfilled. So, um, so I actually, you know, have a whole like really systems. I help people build these systems in their business. It's not just nice ideas. It's like actual step-by-step -step processes for all this stuff. So it's very, very organized. So back to the beginning, you are you are a strategist. You're giving people real usable. So if somebody does one of your programs, they should be able to take all of these strategies and apply them to their business right away. This isn't necessarily all about like discovery and, you know, where do I want to be? And it's take these strategies with your already established business and watch things turn around. Yeah, we're actually implementing the system. Some of the stuff that we do is done for you. So there are, for example, some automations, like, so that's technology, and we're installing that for you, teaching you how to use it. Um, yeah, piece by piece. And essentially, like my front-facing program called the Business Revolution Academy is essentially your your core establishing your core ideology which most people don't have that's the unsexy bit of like why do you exist and what are your goals <laughs> what are your goals in this business um and then uh pricing ideal clients pricing packaging and sales process so that's the that's the kind of front end program that we have and it really is a mixture of 
step-by-step processes, automations. And, and, you know, I said like mindset is not my focus, but that has to be part. It's really the whole thing is a process of stepping into leadership. That's what the whole thing is, is you have to step into leadership of your business and your life. And instead of that kind of freelancer mentality of, oh, please, please buy a session from me or, you know, <laughs> what I do like you want? I'll that's give the it voices. to you. <laughs> <laughs> please, oh, please, please come get a massage. Please, <laughs> please sir. Uh, before we give uh, out your contact info, um, I just wanted to give you a ch- an opportunity. If you have one, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you have any success stories off the top of your head? Somebody who came to you and used your systems and was like, wow, like this was a game changer for my business. Oh, I have so many. Um, I mean, I could just point folks to, uh, I have a success stories page was just interviews of client after client. Um, and uh, that's it. My website is joannasappear.com and it's, and then client stories is a menu item. So it's probably slash client slash stories or something like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I gave a few examples I was talking about. Um, in this case, I interviewed this client on my podcast. Julian is his name, Julian Corwin. So he's somebody who's out there by name, but the difference is so, um, it's so multi-level. So there's the income piece of like having higher income and steady, consistent income. So if you can imagine, and maybe you guys teach this too, I don't know, but if you can imagine, you were talking about like 70 new clients coming in all the time. Like you actually don't need that, right? So when people are enrolling in a long-term treatment plan, you need far fewer people because that's booking you, you know, 12, 16, 20, whatever number of weeks out in advance already for a session. Mm -hmm. So you need fewer people coming on the front end. And then most of my body workers have some kind of like back-end maintenance program after somebody's finished the initial treatment plan. And so that starts to build up as well. And those are like year-long commitments, you know? So that builds and builds. So there's the income level and just how different that is. There's being able to take breaks and vacations without any impact to your income, which is amazing. But then the level that's really, I think, hard for people to truly experience, uh, truly understand until they experience it themselves is the level of fulfillment. So you guys and I, it's like, we've all had, you know, clients that we love, right? We've all had clients who have stayed with us for years and years and years, and we love working with them, right? It's like, imagine that all of your clients are like that. That's what we're talking about, where every single client um, is that level of commitment and you're in it with them, they're in it with you. There is a feeling to that that is kind of like no other. You what know? is it that you call that, Mark? You, you've said it on a few different podcasts. You've hit was it your sweet spot. Is that it? Like where you now are at the point because you've built your business the way you want it, where you you only treat people yeah, that you want to work with. It's a sweet spot where there's absolutely zero disconnects. Yeah. It's not someone coming in wanting something that you don't do and you're finding a way to make them happy and you don't like what you're doing. None of that exists once you hit that sweet spot. It makes yeah. a big difference in wanting to get up and go to work every day. Yeah. Oh, just totally. So, um, yeah. So you can hear examples of people describing that um, on that client stories page. Has anyone ever said, <laughs> everything you're saying is bullshit. Have you ever had anyone do that? you even on like a discovery call like this is fucking shit i'm out of here i mean obviously you'd be like get out of here 
<laughs> and you're not the person that I want to work with. But I'm just curious. I'm curious to be on the other, like to hear. I wish I was a fly on the wall for some of the discovery calls. Has yeah. anyone just been like, this is a bullshit. I'm out. Um, well, so fortunately, I mean, my marketing and sales uh, processes are pr- dialed in enough that by the time somebody gets to a discovery call, they should already know what I'm about. Um, and in fact, um, so there's an application to even have the discovery call with me. That's one of the parts of my sales system is having a filter in place. And if I see in a discovery call application that somebody, this happens actually. So I get quite a few referrals from current clients, right? Lots of current clients or, or even former clients who, you know, have had great success, refer their friends. And if one of those referrals the first thing they do is schedule a discovery call, but they haven't listened to my podcast. They haven't watched my masterclass. Like there's so many different things you can learn from me for free and they haven't done that. And that's clear in their um, application, which it becomes clear because I'm asking them questions about their business and so on. Then I actually don't hold the discovery call. I say, Hey, first go listen to these podcast episodes, watch this masterclass, then come back to me. If this is like ringing your bell, you know, Mm -hmm. lighting you up. So, um, so they're really not, uh, so I don't, so I don't have to deal with that. You know, like yeah. if they're saying this is bullshit, they're, they're doing it on their own. And then I, I don't speak with them, you know, <laughs> I'm just laughing. Every time you ask a coach that question, I think about the time that happened to me. Um, somebody signed up to take one of my business classes You're bullshit. and I'm in the middle of talking about, so the backstory is she missed the first session. Uh, I start every business class. The first session, the first 90 minutes is about mindset. And she missed it. She arrived late because she was coming from out of town. So she comes in, she sits down. And we were at this point uh, in the day, we're talking about, I think, some marketing strategies. And so we were asking people to offer up some of the marketing initiatives that they have in place right now, you know, how things are working. Just so we can kind of analyze. Yeah, we were just analyzing and brainstorming some different ideas. So she gave us some of her ideas. And uh, we said, they're really good. And so we said, well, what if you took it one step further and maybe incorporated this or personalized this? And so we like started out by saying, this is good. What you're doing is good. Maybe you could make it just that much better by adding this. And she looks at me and she goes, I don't feel the need to kiss people's asses. This is bullshit. And she literally you know, walked out of the classroom. <laughs> it was really strange because we were, I can't remember exactly what we were talking about, but we were talking about a strategy that she was employing to to kind of remind people and bring them to back. To bring back clients and who then had what, fallen off. All what yeah. we were seeing is basically, maybe we need to have a different strategy in place so you never actually have to use this one. Yes. This to me seems like a last resort strategy. So why, are, why are they falling exactly. off of your yes. so schedule anyway? Let's, let's start here. Let's recognize that there are probably things that we can put in place that you don't even have to use this last resort. And that's totally. when she just went, went fucking yeah. she, got, shit. she got really I, mad and left. I get that. I don't want to imply that my clients never face that, those kind of upper limit problems or resistance, right? Like when things are scary or new, yeah. like for sure we have that. And we have all kinds of pieces in place to talk about that and support them through that. And, you know, definitely that comes up for people, but we, I'm sure you guys do this too. We really talk about that, like what happened when you're feeling that internal resistance and what's going on and, um, and we normalize it. So, uh, so that they can, cause we work in small groups with people. It's like a hybrid of one-on-one and small groups. So they have each other to talk to about that, but, but they're all on board and committed to doing mm-hmm. this stuff. It's just, they're sometimes they run into their own bumps with themselves, right? Of like, yeah. oh, that's scary. Yeah. And sometimes, as you said, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about for certain practitioners, this would be a huge 
mindset shift. And sometimes that is really hard to wrap your head around because it's human nature to not want to have to know that what you've been doing wasn't necessarily the most effective. Like (laughs) as much as yes, people love learning. Nobody likes knowing that they were wrong. I mean, wrong isn't necessarily the right word here, but you know what I mean? Like nobody wants to think like, oh, like I wasn't doing this the most effective way. And so sometimes people can get a little resistant to taking other people's advice. You know, all those, you know, you know, all those people when you hear them talk you see them all of the interweb you know like i like to be i like to know when i'm wrong i am always learning and and but are they full of shit then they just kick themselves and fucking they're like (laughs) fuck man i just wasted so much fucking time with that versus like you know that's such a good thing that i know this now it was the process of learning and i'm better for it i think it depends on the person no i think no i don't (laughs) i don't i think there are people who genuinely respond well to constructive criticism or, you know, who genuinely respond well to other people's advice. And I think there's some people who don't want to hear it. And you can you can kind of tell that right away. But as Joanna said, the people who are coming to her, by the time they go through all of her filters, if they don't want to learn her strategies, I don't know how they got there in the first place. Definitely different reactions. People have different reactions to, you know, change and growth. I mean, that's what this is. That whole kind of stepping into leadership thing is that that's scary for people. You know, it feels vulnerable. So they have different reactions to that based on their conditioning. Absolutely. Have you ever, I know, I know you won't, you you probably don't because 95% of the people that come to you, they're like, they're ready to rock and roll and they fit with you perfectly. But have you ever had someone you're like, just fucking don't, don't, don't do this. Just you're in the, you're, you're in the wrong spot. You're doing, you're like, you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, totally. Yeah? I mean, there's two cases. One is the rare case that somebody's just, I shouldn't say rare. There's the cases where somebody's just not in the right stage of business most often it's people that are too new for me. And so I, again, I can usually see that in the application, but I will many times have those discovery calls anyway, just to build the relationship and provide them some further resources. How do, how do they meet you with that? With you telling them basically like, you're not ready for this, this is a bad idea for you. Are you met with resistance? Are you met with like, thank God someone told me? How does that play out a lot of the time? I'm curious. No, I think people, I mean, I think it really means something when I'm turning people away. Like they understand that I'm not just trying to, you know, get any client I can and make a Absolutely. sale. Um, they definitely want to know like I've been asked many times for those people who are too early stage, like, do you have somebody you can recommend to send me to? And I actually have not, like I'm trying to create a sort of database of people who I know that are, that are great um, for that stage of business. Um, So that's what they're seeking. So I give them some, again, I give them like some free advice and so on. So yeah, that happens. Um, I have had a couple times people who are beyond what my front-facing program offers, but I now have this back one. So I now have ways to serve them. But in the past, I had turned people away who were too far. Um, But the main thing that I turn away is actually this, uh, it is a a mindset issue. There is sometimes a... um, I, this is, I hope this doesn't sound like really judgmental or anything because it's not meant to be, but sometimes there's a desperation in somebody. Uh-huh. They, are, they are really flailing. 
they're often somebody who's like, they've, they've thrown money mm-hmm. at like different, you know, this marketing person, this marketing method, maybe they've done some other program that, you know, they say, quote unquote, didn't work. And there is this like flavor of desperation to it yep. that I'm not willing to take on. Like I need somebody to come from an empowered place that they're excited to make change and reach their goals. Not like I'm looking for like, is can this just solve everything and fix You're- everything? You're not a last resort kind of strategist. Yeah, yeah. Or, put, or put me in the place of savior. Do you know what I mean? Like they're just, they're looking for a savior, like a, a guru kind of thing. It's like, nope, this is, you know, you're doing the work. <laughs> like we're, I'm in it with you, but if this is, there's not a, you know, this isn't like your magic bullet that's going to save everything. So I have turned people away like that. And um, yeah, that's a, that's, a challenging situation. You know, I sure don't say that to them. Like you're too desperate. Um, no, it is, it is a, a, it's a dangerous situation to get into. Like we have also had, you know, we do, um, tutoring, we do like one-on-ones for people. Um, we do exam prep type of things. And before anybody can come in for any kind of one-on-one or exam prep, they have to do a, a Zoom call with Mark. And, you know, so he can just assess like, where are you? Can I help you? And again, because yeah. we're, tr- we're trying to make sure we don't create a mismatch. Yeah. And there's definitely been a couple of times where somebody has pulled on our heartstrings enough where we're like, oh, okay. But like something in our gut is saying like, this is not going to be a good fit because you know, the, basically they'd gotten to that point of being desperate. And it, it in I mean, it's only happened maybe once or twice, but it has exploded in our face where this person comes in and they're not ready for what we're doing. But, but and- it's also prefaced with like, I don't like, I understand you're, 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 you're throwing a Hail Mary at this moment. And I will say, I don't think I can help you. Like what you need is beyond what I, what I'm willing to do. And as bad as that sounds, but that's what it is. I'm not willing to go beyond what I'm going to typically do. And what you need is beyond that. Yeah. And you know, so I don't, I don't like to take people on like that. And we've stopped doing that completely. No, we usually usually turn those people. I'll tell you the moments that I do love because we do licensing exam prep. I love the moments when someone calls me up and they say they need prep. And I'm like, tell me why you think you need prep. And they start telling me everything. I'm like, you don't need prep at all. You don't fucking need me. And anyone else that says that, <laughs> anyone else that says that uh, you need to, you see, you need to see them in order for you to pass your exam, they don't. They're the fucking lying to you. Just go hit the books yourself. You're fine without anybody. Yeah. Like those are the happiest <laughs> consultations <laughs> I do is turning someone down because you don't need me. Save your money and just do what you got to do. And you don't need someone to tell you what. Anyway, but yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine that that's really cool for them to hear because you know that's just uh, an assurance. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah. it's happened. To, it happened last week and th- that person was like are you fucking serious like you don't think I-? i'm like no you don't need anything she's like you are awesome and i thank you for that because i can just imagine someone else would just grab my fucking money and yeah. did whatever i'm like no and tell that person to fuck off if they're going to because you don't <laughs> you don't need any of it yeah definitely this is why these calls are important and i'm glad that you have this streamlined process and the application because there are going to be a lot of people who maybe think like getting a coach or a strategist or whatever is equivalent to getting a guru and they're going to fix all my problems and you know suddenly my business is going to be booming. Well, no, at the end of the day, as the business owner, you're the person that has to put in all the work. If you hire someone to be on your team, you're hiring someone to be on your team to help strengthen you and, and help you to you know get the strategies and put in place and make you better. But if you are not the person doing the work and you don't know what your short and long-term goals are and you don't know where you want your business to go, Go. Nobody can really help you. 
Like you, yeah, that you're not leading. coachable. You got to lead. Yep. Totally. Can everybody use a strategist? I mean, I, I hire business strategists. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I don't, I don't know if I, I want to give a blanket answer, but I, I mean, I know that I can't, you know, as much as I know, I'm in a different stage of business than most of my clients. I'm further along. And as much as I know, it's completely different to look at my own business. I'm, I don't know if you've heard that Absolutely, phrase, like yeah. it's hard to read the label on the jar when you're inside it. That's yeah. how it feels. It's really like, I have a brilliance to seeing somebody else's business. I don't have the same vision when I'm looking at mine. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of um, I have a lot of intuition and knowledge and know what I'm doing, but there are things that I know I don't see when it's mine. Yeah. You know, to me that's a big red flag. Eh? When someone walks around and they're they're and it, like their shit don't stink. Do you know what I mean? Like everything I do is, is is gold. I don't need any assistance. I don't need extra eyes. I don't need I don't need your words. You stay over there. To me, that's a massive red flag for someone that that's would definitely not willing be, to hear. There would definitely be a red flag. I mean, even psychotherapists. Majority of psychotherapists actually have their own psychotherapist therapist because they can be, as you said, they can be brilliant at helping other people with their own mental health issues, but who's going to deal with theirs? I mean, it's it's just like a writer having an editor. You're, you can be a brilliant writer, yes. but you cannot yeah. read your own work because you know what it's supposed to say. So That's you cannot read your own and words every, and make it make sense to everybody. Every elite athlete has a coach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, those that the writing example I love. Yeah. So I think that, you know, everybody could at some point in their life probably use some type of help in some way. Um, in the wellness industry, I will say that everybody wants to be self-employed. Few are real entrepreneurs and business owners. And I think the really, really great ones, all I mean, as far as I can see from people I know, the really successful businesses. They've had help. They've had mentors. They've had strategists. They've had coaches. Nobody just goes into business and, oops, I accidentally created a multi-million dollar company. That doesn't really typically happen. From the outside, as Joanna said at the beginning, they might look busy and successful and they have all these clients and people speak highly of them. It doesn't mean that they have this well-oiled machine where they know that you know next year they can take five weeks off because their business will not be affected. Find me those people they all had coaches or in some way or another had mentors to help them get to where they are. Totally. I want a machine that's that's um, durable plastic that doesn't require oil. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I deal with, Joanna. This is what I deal with. <laughs> I don't want to have to have oil anywhere. Oh, goodness. I think this is a good time to let Joanna give out uh, contact info, socials. Where can people find you? Yeah. I mean, I think the best place to go is, well, first of all, since this is a podcast, if you're a podcast listener, my podcast is called The Business Revolution for Practitioners with my name, with Joanna Sapir. And then I also have a free masterclass to offer your listeners. Um, I'm looking at the URL that my assistant put together and it's, and it's a mouthful. It's joannasapir.com slash two spelled out T W O R M T's and a mic all spelled out. So everything's spelled out, but the RMT's part, which is, you know, the name of your podcast. So <laughs> that's a free masterclass. And that actually is a really cool, um, like video of me laying out my entire framework. So you get a full overview of like all the pieces of of building your practice with long-term clients and steady predictable income. 
So I recommend that. That's fantastic. It's so important. I will end on this before we say goodbye. Um, But it sounds like you have a very similar setup as Mark and myself. Like, you know, we don't take on everybody. We want to make sure that we're a good fit. But we give away a lot of stuff for free. You know, Mm -hmm. like I think that also does weed out people who are not going to be a good fit. We do a lot of free virtual stuff. Mark does it. Pre-COVID, we used to have networking and education events. Like we would do all this stuff to bring people in, uh, you know, get to know people. I mean, even the podcast when it started, it was like just another way to reach more people and share some knowledge for free and build some sort of value. And that way people kind of get to know us and we end up attracting clients to work with that already feel like they know us somehow, you know, like through listening to us. Totally. And it's, it's, it's free for people. There are some people who are never going to step forward and invest, you know, and so it's giving them something and it's absolutely nurturing, nurturing others. Yeah. Building relationships. And it's great for your SEO. (laughs) (laughs) You're not, you're not going to purchase. Okay. Let me just bring it to my website and make sure you hang out there for a long time anyway. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Well, thank you so much, Joanna. Through all of the uh, troubles we had trying to get together, I'm glad we made it work today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was fun. Right on. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.